0: Before we begin this first episode of season number two, Kevin and I would like to thank all of you pool sceners out there following subscribing and rating our podcast the response has been incredible and we completely appreciate every single one of you being a part of this podcast as well you were growing along with us just always make sure to rate the podcast whenever you listen to it it helps us out and it pushes us up further into the search algorithms i believe that's what they're called the search algorithms and that will make it easier for people to find us so kick back listen along if you guys haven't heard any of all of season one it's available on apple and spotify so right now let's kick off season number two with just one of the guys
1: yeah well maybe my balls don't itch
2: I got this one rule. I never go out with girls who say bitchin'. Welcome to Season 2 of the Pool Scene Podcast. We are very excited to have you here with us. And if you missed Season 1 and are joining us for the first time, I am Kevin Bradway, and I am joined by Jim Sabella. Jim, it looks like you've got a bit of a a weird sunburn situation. What happens when you wear a hat backwards, it sort of is like a snapback hat. So you have like a white line horizontally across your head with a little... uh, With some red arched red window it's perfect we do the pre-golfing before recording actually had a pretty damn good round
0: and i got a nice burn to prove it so we good
2: we are not here to talk about sunburns although they are a side effect of getting in the pool yeah again this podcast named after the pool scene in fast times at ridgemont high which we will cover here shortly yes we'll get to it uh, to kick off season two though we are talking about the 1985 maybe problematic teen comedy just one of the guys I watched this movie so many times on HBO and Cinemax as a boy and it was like we said last week if you joined us last week for the season finale we'll say this movie was like the ultimate daytime tits movie meaning that you could see nudity, TBS, TBS noon tits yeah at noon or one o'clock but I, I always thought this movie was closer to 19. 19- 1990 but it was actually released just 1 year after Ghostbusters which we discussed last week which was 1985 so Jim tell us how we were living in 1985 how we were living in 1985 one
0: year after the re-election of ronald reagan april of 1985 because this movie debuted in april of 1985 which was a budget of five million and a box office of eleven and a half million dollars one of the biggest drinks of all time that ended up becoming the biggest ad blunder of all time New new coke debuted that lasted
2: roughly about a month and a half and they went back to the original formula. So watch the documentary Coke versus Pepsi, or I think it's on Prime. And for some reason on Prime, it is actually called Cola versus Pepsi. I think you're right about that. It's it's intriguing.
0: They thought, like we mentioned during the season finale last week, who was their spokesperson for
2: New Coke? Bill Cosby. Oh. Well, they, yeah, that the whole thing's fascinating yeah. because, you know, they had a Pepsi challenge. Also, Wham! became the
0: first Western pop act To release an album in China. So China was ready for Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go. And with your no shit argument of the week, the West German Parliament rules it is illegal to deny the Holocaust. No shit. Then there's a lot of people who should be arrested because they're still out there. (laughs) And one of which was my... Senior year German teacher, Frau Roboey, rest in peace, at history class before my German class. And we talked about the Holocaust. She gave me a German name. She called me Axel. She, it sounded like she was calling me asshole. Very <laughs> thick tongue, like asshole. So like, whatever. She denied the Holocaust. I brought up, she yelled at me in class yelled at me that didn't happen wow yeah so i know what that's like Uh, okay stay tuned for the number one song at this time in 1985 the number
2: one movie was police academy 2 so going back to the holocaust because this is a history podcast yeah segue one of our good friends morgan uh, him and i were texting back and forth we actually for some reason both dove in heavily to reading about adolf hitler's suicide and like not something that we discussed and then we both read into it we just for some reason both independently were reading about it there was a president after hitler that a lot of people carl durnitz yeah yep, he was the
0: yes he was the admiral of the nazi naval forces yeah never expected to bring up very yeah. short for two weeks. Yeah, and that was it. In the Holocaust. Yeah, Durnitz. He was uh, one of the guys. So,
2: so <laughs> Segway. Just one of the guys was voted as the 48th greatest teen comedy of all time. It
0: might be the number one greatest boobs and Bush movie.
2: Yeah, it's, it's a really, really good, very, very watchable movie. There's no issue getting through this one. It's a great movie. An hour and 40 minutes, that's it. And something I certainly never knew about this movie is that it's a loose adaptation of Shakespeare's 12th night i was an english minor and i don't remember the line where do you get off having tits in shakespeare pretty sure it was in hamlet but his loss act three scene four this is superior to shakespeare with that said let me tell you about the plot for just one of the guys This movie, surprisingly, takes place in Phoenix, Arizona. You would think it was California. Looks very Southern California or SoCal. It's Phoenix. So Terry is a popular high school student who wants to be a journalist. Despite feeling that she is the best candidate, she does not get the internship that she's been dreaming of. She's a little overconfident, I would say. Very pious. But she feels that being a girl is the reason that she was passed over. And at one point, her teacher tells her that she should be a model, which seems to justify her assumption that it's because she's a girl. Now, please prepare yourself to heavily suspend disbelief. With her parents gone on a Caribbean vacation for two weeks, you never see them. There's a couple phone calls from them, but you still never see them. So with her parents gone for two weeks, Terry disguises herself as a boy And enrolls at their rival high school, which you also don't see. At the rival high school, she befriends a dude named Rick Morehouse while she becomes acclimated to life as a guy. Oh, Rick. During that process, she also falls in love with Rick, which culminates with her showing him her tits at the prom kevin bosoms bosoms and admitting her feelings rick rejects her i mean wouldn't you yeah weird (laughs) terry returns to her school as a girl and writes an article about her life as a guy which lands her the job which sort of disproves her theory that she was overlooked for being a girl they go with the classic movie trope where rick reads the article and realizes he loves her too And they live happily ever after, or whatever happens when you're 17 years old. So let's get into the characters. We have a bit of a loaded supporting cast. Excellent supporting cast. We have Joyce Heiser as Terry, which on Wikipedia and IMDB, they list Terry as a girl as T-E-R-R-I and as a boy T-E-R-R-Y. Doesn't make a difference because we you know we never see her name written out clayton roner as rick morehouse billy jacoby as buddy griffith oh billy boy uh we have tony hudson as denise we have william zabka who's the quintessential 80s douchebag this was right after karate kid so it's perfect came right after yeah same
0: character he's johnny
2: Sherilyn fenn is sandy ari gross as willie kenneth tigger as mr rainmaker yeah that's right who we keep calling rainmaker rainmaker yeah the creepy so, guy jim who is your standout performance of this film
0: and we always like to separate our favorite standouts away from the main cast so this is an amazing secondary cast terry's best friend to me looks like rebecca de mornay terry's
2: boyfriend looks a little bit like emilio estevez however i'm gonna have to pick billy it's billy billy's fantastic percent, billy He's he nails it on every aspect. Talk about him a little bit later and get into what makes Billy such a good character. He's not embarrassed who he
0: is. He admits he's horny. He wants to get laid. He puts pictures of Playboy models up on his room, bosoms and bush hanging out. He doesn't care. He is who he is. He tries to pick up women sexually, being a horn dog, virtually almost a sexual
2: predator. Predator yes, that yes. way. Billy's great though; he is who he is. Yeah, he's he's definitely it for me. Billy Jacoby as Buddy Griffith. So, uh, best scenes. Let's find out which scenes made a splash. Number one for both of us. I'm gonna speak on your behalf. Is where do you get off having tits? Big night, huh?
1: I bet you're a little confused.
2: I think I understand.
1: I know I should have told you sooner, but uh. I didn't. Um. I'm a. Terry, be- I know. You're gay. Not gay. Wait a minute, now I'm confused. I'm a girl. I'm a woman. <laughs> right, and I'm Cindy Lauper. Could we please go back to the prom now? I'm a female, I swear. But
0: Wait a minute, are those what I think they are?
1: I'm sorry. Where do you get off having tits?
0: It's one, it's the best reveal of the best movie bosoms in movie history.
2: So, to set it up, uh, if you didn't follow along during plot, Terry has been living her life as a boy for two weeks. And she becomes close with while their parents are gone. Yes. While the parents are gone. She's become close with Rick, who's a kind of a loner at this uh, new school. He wears obs- a lot of brown and green. He's obsessed with James Brown. He, he looks can- like a Vietnam veteran. Return. He can't listen to James Brown in front of people because he has to dance. So she becomes really close to Rick and tries to find him a prom date but kind of slowly falls in love with him despite having a boyfriend. It This all culminates because he finally stands up for himself. We'll talk about that scene as well. He finally stands up for himself and he asks the most popular girl in school out to the prom and she says yes. Who Terry cannot stand because
0: she is the poster child of the perfect girl with yes. the perfect face and body. Even though everybody in this movie, and I know all of you that have watched this can agree with this point, looks like... They're at least 10 years older than high school kids, by far. That's a
2: lot of teen movies. This movie is filled with teen movie tropes, but it was from 85, so it predated a lot of them, so it was one of the early ones, a lot of these tropes that... You know, came later. But anyhow, so this culminates going to the prom. Rick goes with Debbie, the popular girl. Terry brings her friend who looks like Rebecca De Mornay, who leaves with a dude from the band who is generic Huey Lewis because he looks like Huey Lewis. 38 years old, trying to get a high school girl who's on a date to come with him. It's weird. Terry tries to admit to Rick. Well, actually, Terry's boyfriend shows up to the prom. There's a whole hijinks, and Terry has to prove to Rick that she's not gay because. Rick meets her boyfriend, but Rick thinks she's a boy. So therefore, Rick thinks she's gay, thinks he's gay. And she says, I'm not gay. So Rick's like, I'm really confused. So she just whips them out. She whips a titty out hard. Whips whips them both out hard. Whips both titties out hard. And then he says the line of all lines. Where do you get off having tits? It's like she had a choice. He says something else first. He says... What are those? What are those? What are those? What yeah. the fuck do you think they are, Rick? Where do you get off having tits? She doesn't wear a bra, which seemingly would be difficult to conceal her big knockers. With, we can both agree on this
0: point, not even at one point throughout this whole movie, do we think she's passable as a boy? No. Because you can see she has, there's a scene that I'm bringing up in Logic about her appearance and her almost, I don't know how she wasn't revealed to be a girl
2: underneath these boy clothes No, she but. has she has large breasts she's, yeah, she's she's curvy she's pretty she's very feminine looking yeah. so she would pass as what they call a pussy several times yeah. throughout this movie her gym teacher calls her a pussy uh billy Zabka calls her a tulip greg tolan so the whole prom scene is good after that she kisses rick unreciprocated uh there's a big fight I mean, there's there's a lot of cool horrible stuff. movie choreographed. Yeah, funny. but there's a whole lot of good stuff happening yes. in this prom scene. I, I think that's the number one scene. So do you want to go ahead and talk about well, your before, next? One? Before I go into my scene, can we both agree how much you think they spent on that prom? Oceanside, oh, it's insane. Yeah. In, Phoenix. in I, Phoenix. Well, in Phoenix, but actually in, yeah, in LA. Southern
0: California. Can yeah. You imagine it's if all, all prom, this
2: outdoor lighting and a fake Huey Lewis. If I knew I would have a prom like that, I'd go to every prom even after
0: I graduated. Oh, it was amazing. It was awesome. Yeah,
2: it was amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, my favorite scene It's
0: kind of a, it's a culmination of scenes any scene with Buddy in it just being Buddy. Yes, yeah. If from the very beginning when he's in the restaurant, he's just talking about, hey, I need to shed this virginity. I'm horny. That was, and he hits on h- her best friend, Rebecca Mornay, a.k.a. Denise. Yeah. He
2: keeps trying to bang her. That's, that actually was the next scene I had written down is any scene with Buddy. So do you have some of the one-liners queued up? I do have some of the one-liners.
0: Here's a little bit, nothing long. These are some of the greatest sound bites of Buddy within this film.
1: Don't get me wrong. It's not like I've never had sex before. I've had lots of sex. It's just that now I'd like to try with a partner. So for research, you're willing to toy with this poor girl's emotions? All you transvestites are alike. You disgust me. Can I be totally honest with you? Your touch is the reason why I went through puberty. The clock is ticking. I have to get jamming. Can't you hear what you're saying? Aren't you a little embarrassed? Nope, I'm horny. Horny will kick embarrassment's ass every time. Well, alone at last. Why are you smiling like that? Because it's party time. Let's dance. Let's get crazy. Let's get drunk. Let's get naked. Buddy, I love a good party, but something about you worries me. Linda, you're a nut. What do you like, skinny dipping the pool, back in the bedroom? Pick us in. Any sin. It's getting kind of late. No, it's early. Bye. Linda, wait. For God's sake, I vacuum Linda. Buddy, you're a nice guy. No, not a nice guy. That's the kiss of death. I'll see you in algebra. Thanks for your help. Linda, wait. Would it make any difference at all if I said I was hung like a bear? It might. Are you?
2: No. So every time Buddy speaks in this movie, with the exception of like one phone call with his parents, is pretty much he's like super duper horny teenager who is actually really hilarious. He dances around a lot. Uh, There's a really funny scene with with Buddy. My favorite Buddy scene is Buddy hangs up all this porn in his bedroom. All Playboy models. Yeah, he takes out all the Playboy centerfolds and hangs them up over his room, which I assume he's only doing for two weeks.
1: Your room is why my life is totally screwed up. You guys think beautiful women are nothing but decoration. Total airheads. He not me. These women have my deepest respect. For showing their boobs. And for their minds. It just so happens that Kim here reads Vonnegut in her bubble bath. And Luann has dedicated her centerfold to help clean up toxic waste. And the only reason Barbara does her physics homework buck naked is because that library's
0: hot.
2: Because his parents would be like, but you can't have these. But we,
0: you even brought up, and it's excellent. Here's the basically layout of Buddy's room. Boobs and Bush, Boobs and Bush, YouTube. Boobs and Bush, Boobs and Bush, David Bowie. Yeah. It's just so yeah. random. Yeah, so
2: he has all this porn in his room. Sherilyn Fenn's character, who's obsessed with Terry, she thinks he looks like a mix of Elvis Costello. Which and the Karate Kid, yeah, Ralph Macchio, which is that's a, a hell of a combination. Weird. Psycho so killer. She comes over to apologize for being horny herself, and she, which I will get to, is one of my favorite scenes. But she, after that, she comes over and she brings fish for Terry, but Terry cannot let Kissing her fish. Yeah, Terry cannot let her in her actual bedroom, so she has to say that she sleeps in her brother's bedroom.
1: Wow, like this is where you sleep, do your homework. Yeah, well, uh, I like pictures of people. Terry loves tits and ass. These women just aren't tits and ass. Kim reads Vonnegut. And Luann, Luann desp. Buys is toxic waste.
2: So she brings a girl in to a bedroom that's just wall-to-wall porn. It's super awkward. It's super 80s, and it's awesome. Can we also bring up Terry's room real quick? You did some research. Joyce Heiser
0: dated Bruce Springsteen yeah. for five years. Yeah, There's Bruce Springsteen pictures all over her wall, and then a random picture of Ernest Hemingway looking like Lennon.
2: Yeah, and the other funny thing about her room is that Buddy's room is, is a normal size just you know square bedroom Terry's bedroom is a thousand square feet yeah it's like a hotel suite in Vegas it's like a humongous bedroom an extra like cove with this walking closet she has those big ass circle chairs I forget what they're called yeah I don't know off the top of my head I don't either yeah she has an absolutely insane bedroom so I'll just go ahead and transition then and say my next favorite scene the date scene with Sherilyn Fenn Sandy
1: you tricked me bad uh uh you know, in five years, Jill's going to make him very happy. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> nice fire. Sandy, this is... R- Shh, don't talk. Sandy, this is a big mistake. Maybe, maybe not. It's only one way to find out. <laughs> <laughs> Sandy, Sandy really... Is- Sandy, get out of there! <laughs> there really is a very good... Good explanation for that. I'm flattered. You are? But you don't have to do this to impress me. I don't? No. I like you a lot. I think I'll take one of those beers now? It's okay. I mean, how small can it be? <laughs> don't ask.
2: So after Sherilyn Fenn says he looks like Elvis Costello and the karate kid, I'm going to get him. She knows that Terry has been trying to get Rick a date. So she proposes if you go on a date with me, I'll get Rick a date. Once they show up, the date that she's brought for Rick is literally a sixth grader. <laughs> she look,
0: she, and she even says,
2: in five years, this will be perfect. What the fuck? Yeah. You're promoting stats. She is grooming her. Grooming her. Yeah. To be, uh, yeah, whatever. So, But at this scene, they just go to, like you pointed out, every teen movie has this place There's always a place. Whether it's like Saved by the Bell, The Max, or it's like Lover's Lane or whatever it is, every teen movie has a place. In this movie, it's The Cave. The Cave. So they go to The Cave, and they build a fire. Sherilyn Fenn's character obviously wants to be alone with Elvis Costello, Ralph Macchio. So Rick takes the 12-year-old into The Cave. I don't know what they did in there. Talked about Tiger Beat or something. Yeah. And she tries to essentially aggressively throw herself at terry and grabs her tits i was gonna bring that up in logic we just let's talk about it now
0: she gets a handful yeah
2: group she's full of bosom essentially trying to mount terry but she's feeling her up feeling him up but terry's got sizable breasts so she would have felt them But anyway, she tries to reach in her pants and end up pulling out a sock, which Terry uses to disguise that she does not have a penis. It turns into a sympathetic scene because she's like, oh, you did this to impress me and you don't have to. In this scene, Terry gets drunk because I fear that she might be an alcoholic. Oh, she gets... They just get beer wildly like when her parents call and uh, buddy picks up the phone she even said terry's hungover or terry is invited over to rick's house yeah. for the first time so, it's like do you want a beer exactly the first time terry kind of invites herself into rick's house what the hell? they walk in They're high school kids i, I my parents are pretty lenient if i went and partied as long as i was being safe but i just can't imagine being a 17 year old and be like hey want a beer because like when your parents come home and be like Hey, I bought that beer for myself. That's what would have happened to me if I would have got caught
0: drinking. My mom told me if I had a beer before I turned 21, I would get drunk and grounded. It never happened for me.
2: Yeah, I just don't understand how they can just casually be like, want a beer? Terry drinks beer like three or four different scenes in this movie. Pretty crazy. You know, one thing I have to think, though, and it just popped into my head. What if Sandy might have
0: always known that Terry might be, especially after that scene where she kind of feels her up? Maybe she doesn't care. You ever think maybe she might be, you know, maybe she might be bisexual because you have to think about it. This movie was made in 85. The topic of homosexuality and stuff like that was still very no, like very hands off. We're not going to get we're not going to go there with it. This movie, in a way, kind of broke down a wall a bit. You know, it kind of opened up the conversation. Well,
2: I have a question later on about that. It, I mean, it is sort of a trope. They're still making, I won't say they're still making this type of movie, but they've made this type of movie several oh, times. Oh, a lot of times. The other thing I wanted to mention about Rick's house is that the James Brown thing. I'm kind of
1: into James Brown. I guess so. You know, Prince, Michael Jackson, it all goes back to James Brown, the godfather of Soul. Not to mention Mr. Humanitarian, Mr. Dynamite, and the harsh working man in show business. Ah, uh, New York City, live the Apollo Theater, 1962. This man was king. Well, let's hear some sounds. I don't think so. Stereo broken? No, it's just something I do by myself. Huh? Well, when I hear James, I have to dance. You know, like James, go crazy. I can't help it. And uh, I'm usually alone when I do it. That's cool, man. I can respect that.
2: Oh, he's Terry kind of barges into Rick's room and finds out it's wall-to-wall. Not Playboy, but it's James Brown. Cardboard Just cutout tattooed, tattooed James on the Brown. wall.
0: It would have been funny to see a scene of him. Like, she walks in, catches him dancing to James Brown. I'm surprised that never was a scene. Yeah. Would have been hilarious. What do you still have on, on scenes? My next big scene is Rick standing up to Greg in the cafeteria. Greg told him.
1: Take a moment now to find out a little bit about the man behind the mess. Greg, may I call you Greg? Now, now tell us, Greg, how did you first get into spilling food? Huh? Were you a messy baby? <laughs> did you hate your strained peas? <laughs> well, you know, most, most psychologists tell us that guys, well, they get into bodybuilding to compensate for either a lack of IQ. Or a small weenie Which is it, Greg? Well, those of us in Greg's gym class Certainly know the answer to that one. I'm gonna beat the shit out of you, Morehouse Greg, please Hey, isn't he great? Yeah. Muscles and humor. <laughs> <sensuous. laughs> well, let's all thank Greg For the many lunchtime thrills And spills he's given us All right, everybody, up Everybody up. Tables. a tribute to you greg
0: <laughs> <laughs> once again billy zapka plays just an incredibly great prick he was the 80s prototype for asshole teenage guy so greg has this tendency throughout the whole movie to pick on the nerds pick out you know pick on the weakling kids once again that trope of the bully so he has a tendency during lunch hour to lift up the tables and drop all the food on the floor which infuriates the janitor. Why did the janitor never stop, like step in or a principal or a teacher? Once again, there's no authority in any of these movies. No. There's no cops. No, there's usually no, teachers, no cops. Nothing. In
2: this one, it should be a principal, a teacher who oversees the cafeteria. But no, it's just like free for all. Terry decides to take Rick
0: out for shopping and put it on her credit card. She said, I got plastic because Rick has no money. You know, your typical guy, he has no style. For 85 pastels and stuff like that, he's wearing brown and green all the time. And this movie's filmed in Phoenix. They're wearing long sleeves and long pants because why not? It's 100 degrees. Rick shows up. He's all cleaned up now. slip back he looks like 1985 Dracula he's Rick Dracula okay looking stylish pretty BA that means badass he is finally with this makeover Rick has grown a set of balls Greg is starting to still lift tables so he finally gets fed up stands up on the table and basically says hey Greg why do you do this were you a messy baby did you spill your peas? Or yeah,
2: he hum- humiliates he humiliates the bu- Greg in front of the whole school,
0: and basically says he has a small dick, and that's why he's doing it. So finally, Rick becomes a legend. You know, no, nah, I wouldn't say a legend in school, but he basically. He gets Greg's Oh, girl. yeah.
2: He's he's in the clouds. He is. Because he Terry says, you should ask somebody. You can get any girl you want. You should ask somebody to prom. And Rick says, I'm having too good of a day. You know, I don't want anything to bring me down. And basically, Terry says, whoever you ask out,
0: we'll do it. If you don't, I won't go. So he goes right to Greg's girl, asks her out, no problem. But that scene alone, which kind of would a makeover really get a guy who's an introvert like that to just stand up to the school bully like that quickly Uh, normally there's a slow build over time it's literally three
2: i mean we've seen this though like can't buy me love is sort of the same idea another movie will be covered which because he gets somebody to admit that he has in that movie it's prostitution yeah it's prostitution so but it's all it takes in these high school movies whether true or not is the like just give them confidence Give them something like what, whatever it is that gives that character confidence. Uh, Breakfast Club, Ali Sheedy gets a makeover. You know, yeah. a lot of these movies, it's a makeover. But it's just all it takes is just one morsel of confidence. And then the character, it's, I mean, uh, with the one Freddie Prince Jr., she's all that. She's all take the Take off her okay, glasses. That's also another take off Shakespeare. Yep. What, is it the uh, Taming of the Shrew or something like that? Uh, Taming of the Shrew is 10 Things I Hate About You. Close enough. So.
0: But yeah, that scene was an amazing standout scene. Maybe uh, Kevin and I will go to the mall and get a makeover, and we'll go
2: to a random school and beat the shit out of a bully. I miss going to the mall, but one, coronavirus, I'm not going near a mall. Nope. And two, there is no malls left, really, around here. Everything's a dead mall? I mean, we have malls. We have several malls, but there's just they're not fun. I mean, maybe that's because we're in our 30s, but it's just not fun to go to the mall like it used to be. I used to
0: love when you get dropped off at the mall and you hang out there for six hours. You don't buy anything maybe a coke like orange julius or a hot sam
2: but other than that you just you know uh, if you're buying a hot sam you are taking a break which is something we need to do right now let's do our first pool check Ooh, good of segue. season two
0: pool check.
2: so we're still covering music videos from the year of the movie that we cover until we run out and then we'll do some other things we hope you enjoyed in our deep end episode the end of season one we also talked about some of our favorite tv shows but for now we're still talking about our favorite music videos i know that's important this week because this week is kind of a murderer's row this
0: might be the year this is the 27 yankees right so
2: we're gonna i'll say them in order or we'll number them but ultimately this is just our favorite videos of the year i'll go ahead and start with my number five for 1985 Godly and Cream cry.
0: You love this fucking song in this video so much. This
2: video is like the early cousin of Michael Jackson's Black or White. It is Black or White. They use that technology where it just, they show someone's face and then they transition to somebody else's face and that's the whole video and the song's ridiculous one guy's name in this band is Low cream l-o-l-c-r-e-m-e Low cream Low cream is in this band <laughs> uh this song was uh the reason i know about this video originally i think was because of beavis and butthead i think that's right rift on this video you're right And then it came back. I probably had forgot that it existed. And then it was featured on Grand Theft Auto 4. You could drive around a Grand Theft Auto 4, killing people, shooting people, robbing people. With godly and cream. With godly and cream cry. So that's my number five. I'm I'm glad there is this video and then our number one video this week. We got a join. Which is like two that I've been waiting for. I, I, I couldn't wait to talk about them. But yeah, Godly and Cream Cry is my number five.
0: I'm not numbering one through five. Everything's number one. I'm going to start off with my first number one is Phil Collins, Philip Bailey, Easy Lover. I love it. This song is fantastic. This video, it, it, it's as if they just met for the first time. Yes. It's all behind the scene footage of them making the video. And the one thing that always drove me nuts about this video, it seemed that the song was an octave higher than the actual recording always drove me nuts but you see phil and philip bonding the entire time the one scene when phil's like flapping his arms and stuff like that teaching bailey how to dance it's an amazing song it's a great video the
2: drums at the beginning get me so hype like to just party there isn't one phil collins song in which he drums that could not get you hyped and then you want to name your boat the king of wishful thinking if i got a boat i want to name it easy lover how great would that be just park them next the king of
0: wishful thinking and easy lover on lake erie aka the ohio ocean like a,
2: a, a sparkle coat baby blue boat called Easy Lover. God, Dude, it'd be great. We'd be legendary. My number four starship. We built this city considered which me and you totally disagree when Rolling Stone said this was the worst song ever. Yeah. Wrong. It's no, not, it's, it's, not, it's not great. No, it's not the worst song ever. The lineage of the band is obviously funny, which is, you know, Jefferson Airplane to Jefferson Starship the Starship. And we built this city. It, the video is weird. It's kind of like this alien, like freeze frame type of thing. But the song is like, it is bad, but it's like bad good. It's like so bad that it's good. There's a really, really awesome, like flute, like high note towards the end of this song and i really really there's there's one use of this song that i love which is in the muppets movie from the mid 2010s somewhere they use this song during a montage and in, in the muppets movie it is so well placed and yeah so starship we built the city number four for me
0: okay my next number one once again, is Phil Collins, Susudio. Yep. Susudio is such a great name. Fred. I don't know how the hell he ever thought of it, but it's amazing. Video, I'm transporting you there. Cocaine so, is the answer. Damn straight. It's a nightclub. He's about ready to check. Him and his band, there's nobody there. All of a sudden, he starts the beat, you know, once again, the drums. Susudio kicks on. This band lights up. People come in from off the street, crowds the entire bar to the sweet sounds of
2: Susudio. Su-
0: the song is fucking amazing. Yeah. How can you not like Susudio? It's so
2: weird to think about, but it's you You don't have to. You just no. get lost in the song. It's fun. It's a good song. It's timeless, but it's weird. Like when you actually take a step back and you're like, "What the? what is Susudio? The girl who's been on my mind, Sue, Sue, Sudio. Maybe her name is Sue, Sudio. Sue, Sudio. Sudio. It's yeah. Susan Sudio. Um, so Susudio, next number one. So you and I have, and I don't think we've ever talked about this on the pod, but you and I have spent many nights just watching music videos for hours the way it used to be when we were kids there we will just sit around and watch music videos till like two or three in the morning Mm -hmm. i mean just video after video just go down a wormhole watch music videos we love it so we knew when we had a podcast we love movies but it couldn't be just about movies we had to somehow incorporate music videos and we probably could have done a whole music video podcast yeah. many times that we watch music videos one that comes up is Chicago You're the Inspiration oh, now God. there's multiple Chicago videos that we watch but you've got
0: let's clarify the Peter Cetera era yes. of Chicago yes
2: so you got Peter Cetera looking like Ellen DeGeneres <laughs> in this in Gloria, love music. Yeah, he does. Too. And in this video, it's kind of like um, there's like a punk couple that's on a date. They look like you know exploited, rancid era punk uh, kids that are just uh, on a date. But then the live performance part of the video is like in a living room. It's like Peter Cetera's nice living room, or a living room at his grandma's house, or something.
0: We also love the fact that Cetera would team up with As Yet, yeah, and do the version of uh, "It's Hard to Say I'm Sorry," yeah. and they also did "You're the Inspiration." Yes. They became best friends, which is the oddest couple yeah. of all time. Yeah. So my next number one, Huey Lewis in the News, The Power of Love. Come on. It's Back to the Future. Yeah. It's the people know this is, oh, that song from Back to the Future. Yes, it's a Back to the Future song. And we have correlation because we have generic Huey Lewis in this movie. We got the real Huey Lewis here. I will say five years ago now, I got to see Huey Lewis in the News perform. I'm glad I did because he can't sing anymore now. He's tone deaf.
2: Man, st- when they play this song, oh, it's- I get goosebumps. This song is like, I don't want this to sound negative, like have a negative connotation, but this song is almost built in like a formulaic way. It's just like the way the rhythm drives and then the changes, the key changes, everything in this song is kind of just built like a paint by numbers pop song, but it might be the best one. Yeah. This is like one of the catchiest songs ever. I mean opening credits and know. it's a in ba- the
0: music video itself is very basic. Once yeah. again, they're in a little concert hall performing. Doc shows up in the time machine
2: that's it yep my number two david bowie and mick jagger dancing in the street oh my god this, this is, is horrible. a very i don't know what it's word i want to use i mean there were a lot of rumors that mick jagger and david bowie were together and this video i mean sexually and this video probably confirms that they are as close to each other's faces as you can be without being like any like touching they're they're. it's so strange and one of the best things and please look this up on. i YouTube, know where you're going with please this look this up on youtube somebody made this video and took out all the music and they just added the sounds of like oh. their shoes and their dancing it's just like four minutes of like very
0: asmr
2: yeah shoe noises and them jumping off of stuff and Them it's, singing completely off key yeah, without that background yeah music. it's ridiculous but the video is just Crazy! This video is 1985. Yeah. I mean, this is like time capsule. Hey, what was 1985 like? Look at David Bowie, Mick Jagger dancing in the street. My next number one is the
0: sweet voice of one Richard Page. Might have the best voice, I'd say, in my top five of all time. With Kiri from Mr. Mister. Yes. For the longest time, Mr. Mister, everybody thought that guy was Mr. Mister. He's just, no, Mr. Mister is a band. Once again, this music video, I want you all to watch it right now richard page rocks the absolute best trench coat sleeves rolled up wife beater underneath denim combo in world history i want to bring that look back i want to wear it every fucking day that song is awesome i listen to it when i shower when i go to the bathroom i've watched that video six million times and i can do it with my eyes closed and tell you when the trench coat Mid-grade. is going to pop up. That, so Mr. Wear it.
2: Mr. Mister also had uh, Take These Broken Wings. Broken Wings is another great song. Yeah, and that's it's a weird lyrics to that one. This song might not have come out in 85. Don't give a shit. Yeah, no, I'm it taking doesn't matter. It. All right, so something that did come out in 1985 that I've been waiting for. Eventually, we may do a special episode where we do our top music videos of all time. And we brought this up with the Ghostbusters episode. Yes, this is probably our number one music video this is of our number all one. time ever. And it is collectively our number one video, USA for Africa, we are the world. And I'm going to say
0: it right now. We've watched this video to your heart's content, which is great because you can pick out every possible well, big name yes. in music. And let's
2: say this was made for charity. They were raising money for Hands Africa. across America. Yeah. For, They're yeah. raising money for Africa. So the, uh, as Jim started to say, they asked everybody to be in this. And it, just American artists, because we're missing like, like Phil Collins wasn't in it. Yeah. But pretty much anybody who was big at the time is in this. Michael Jackson, Ray Charles, Diana Ross. You keep going. John. Paul and Oates Bob Dylan uh, Dan Aykroyd Dan Aykroyd is there He's just fucking there uh, Steve Perry That's right On uh, Journey Cindy Lauper Cindy Lauper As Rick would call her in this movie Cindy Lauper I mean you name it They were there With the exception of one artist Prince Prince That's is right. not there Prince is not there So Somebody who's you know, ties into this movie, Bruce Springsteen. I think he probably gets the most shit in, in this video. Cause you've got, you've got Michael both there. So the whole music video and the premise, I'm going to talk about this for a couple minutes. The whole premise, they not only did a song with all of these people, but they also, put all the people in one room so you've got some of the footage michael jackson sings a chorus but you've got some of the footage of michael in the studio and then some of the footage is like filmed somewhere else like
0: ray charles was filmed somewhere else and so so was michael so some of
2: these people are filmed somewhere else. Willie nelson willie nelson um i'm trying to think uh
0: my personal opinion huey lewis hits it out of the park with uh, this part
2: i i will say so tell me who you think your top three or four are in this in this song. Okay, by far, number one for me, Huey Lewis.
0: Number two, Ray Charles. Number three, Michael Jackson.
2: I will say Steve Perry's unbelievable. Yeah. Huey Lewis is unbelievable. And Ray Charles. I kind of get chills when Ray Charles comes in at the end. Cindy Lauper. Yeah, Cindy Cindy Lauper's pretty good. Um so the the full list. Lionel Richie Stevie Wonder Paul Simon Kenny Rogers James, James Ingram Tina Turner Billy Joel I hate Billy Joel Michael Jackson Diana Ross Dionne Warwick Willie Nelson Al Jarreau Bruce Springsteen Kenny Loggins is pretty great in this C. Perry Daryl Hall Huey Lewis Cyndi Lauper Kim Carnes Bob Dylan Ray Charles And then you've got a bunch more in the chorus, which is funny. You've got Dan Aykroyd just up there. They also put Harry Belafonte in the chorus, Lindsay Buckingham. I'm pretty sure
0: Lionel Richie organized
2: all of this, though. Lionel Richie and Quincy Jones. That's right. You said Stevie Wonder, right? Stevie Wonder's in this. That's right. So you've got most of the Jackson family, Bette Midler's in there, Pointer Sisters. Smokey Robinson, they just wasted away in the chorus. Yeah. Again, the one that's missing from We Are the World is Prince is the standout and I guess there I haven't read about it in a while but I guess there was some controversy where Prince was being a bit of a diva and he wanted special terms or treatment and he actually arrived there but stayed outside in his limo and they couldn't really convince him to get out of the limo and come in I wonder if that would end up being a regret for him I I doubt it. I mean, it would have been cool to see him in the studio just shredding. It's just cool because, like I said, we we talk about who's the best performance. That probably, it's like if you're a star athlete, you know, you want to show up in the playoffs. Like, this was all the best artists in the world, one room and you want to like knock it out of the park you want to give your absolute best and uh, there's a funny meme of Bob Dylan kind of not knowing where he is during the chorus which is pretty funny as much as you don't like Billy Joel I don't like Bob Dylan yeah I like Bob Dylan a lot (laughs) so uh, I used to do until I like blew out my throat doing it I used to always do my impression of uh, Springsteen, he kind of like takes a massive shit while he sings the choruses <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's a lot But uh, yeah, I'd say Springsteen they really were pushing hard in this song. It's interesting how they decided who got what Yeah So, but that's our number one, USA for Africa. We are the world. They've redone it a couple of times. This is the original from 85. This is the one you want to find. Don't watch the other one. They did a metal version called We're Stars. And it's great too. It's fucking excellent. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. With that said, go ahead and let them know, Jim.
0: Everybody back in the pool.
2: All right. So before we move on to logic, we're returning to normal format this week. Last week was our Deep End season one finale. We hope you enjoyed that. So let's, I always ask a question before our logic section this week. Do you think that this movie or this specific trope is problematic? The cross-dressing, like they've done it in Tootsie. Mrs. Doubtfire, Two Wong Fu, Two Wong Fu. They did it in. There's an Amanda Bynes movie where she's a soccer player. Chen oh, fan. Ladybugs! Yeah, Ladybugs. Just remembered that. So this was a a big trope you know do you think that it's that it's problematic could they still make this type of movie you think
0: not nowadays there's no way in hell they get away with it nowadays
2: but why is it because it's a society we live in now man is it because we are more progressive in that we no longer see males as superior in a way it still kind of subjectifies women in a way this movie is trying to prove that
0: terry became a boy she would get a heads up on her article Even though she acts like her writing and everything, her shit don't stink. Even her teacher, Raymaker, even says this is good. It's just boring because she was talking about school lunches and nutrition and stuff like that. Seriously though, who is an 18-year-old? I'm using air quotes. Wants to read about the school lunch program?
2: Right. Nobody does. See, that's that's the thing. So this whole movie, I I guess I never really thought about it as much until now because I always kind of saw it as just the throwaway 80s teen comedy. But Terry thinks that she doesn't get this internship because she's a girl. And if she were a boy, she'd get it. And she's got this like white privilege. She's rich. She's the oh, yeah. most popular girl in school. It but is. it's actually the reason she doesn't is because she doesn't have a point of view or experience or she she doesn't get it. She just thinks she's the best. But let me let me transition that into my first logic point. So the contest rules. So at her school where she is a girl, They've already selected the two candidates who will be getting this summer internship at the local paper, which is... The Sun Tribune. Sun Tribune. So she doesn't win at her school. So she goes to the other school. As, we just, as we've as we discussed, she becomes a boy. And she actually writes an article about her experience. As, I was a teenage boy. I was a teenage boy. So as a boy. And then her... We have to fill in the blanks because her when she's back at her real school, which I know you're going to talk about that, when she's back at her real school, her teacher says, I read about it in the Sun Tribune. I'm assuming she won the contest at the other school because when she goes to the other school, she meets a, a teacher who validates her. And he's actually real with her mm-hmm. because her teacher at her homeschool basically just sees her. There's actually a scene. A real creepy scene. Where we see the two teachers being like, we should fail her so she's, we can look at she's her. She's a, a her. hot piece of ass. Yeah. Then I had Terry Griffin, fourth period civics. Did you see what she's wearing? The legs do not stop.
0: I say we flunk her. Keep her here for another year. <laughs> you
2: better be careful, George. you could lose your job. Be worth it. She's not that great a job. <laughs> and but her teacher never tells her the truth. Well, when she goes to the other school as a boy, he tells her, "You're a great writer, but you're boring." Yeah. So she gets the truth, but she wins the contest at the other school. But shouldn't she be disqualified because she doesn't even go there?
0: Ugh, don't get me started. You know where I'm going with this. Yes. If she just up and left her school in the middle of a school year, a they're going to start asking or calling, "Why? Where is she?" B she's a truant and see she's failing every class for two weeks.
2: Don't they have like there's got to be a deleted scene or something like did she call the school and tell them she was going with her family on the cri- because
0: did she write a note like fake her mom's signature yeah. saying hey Terry's going to be gone for two she's going away with us for two weeks We could have
2: easily seen that give be- her homework to buddy yeah we could have seen that because this movie is pretty good so I hope that they just didn't miss that completely that's a huge logic point she leaves her other school for two weeks goes to a new school for two weeks like nothing happened like nothing happened no. and but for the two weeks she's gone nobody asks about she's her? a senior in high school people know who she is she's a popular girl yes a very popular girl. and another scene that's missing that i have a problem with is that terry just shows up for this new school we yep. don't get the, you know, there's an 80s movie hiding out. He is hiding out, literally, and goes essentially undercover, becomes a student at a school. And you get the great scene where he meets with the guidance counselor. Guidance counselor asks for his transcripts, his name, and all of that. And he has to become a student. Terry just shows up at this new school. We never see the scene. She got her schedule and everything. Yes, but I, I want that scene. You need it. In the, again, this movie is full of trope. That's the trope I want to see. I get so used and I get into that groove of the tropes that that's this. I want to see that scene. I want to see her go into this office, get her schedule, tell them who she is. But she just shows up in the
0: parking lot. Once again, this movie could have had a two hour cut. That's the only thing I'm thinking of they probably cut 20 minutes out of this movie. They cut a couple pretty important scenes. I would say so. So my next one is, we're going back to the beginning of the movie before she does her investigative journalism. So her boyfriend, Kevin, shows up at her house, and she's laying poolside in a bikini, which is like, holy shit. Very nice. So Kevin comes over, jumps in the pool, immediately gets out, hanging next to her poolside. Brother is home, okay? Parents are gone for two weeks, they're on vacation, so we get that. He tries to take off her top and pork her right there brother's home let's just yeah. bang her outside there's no fence no nothing
2: beautiful in-ground pool but you're just gonna bang her right there well the whole boyfriend thing kevin is the boyfriend is the it's another 80s trope uh, the high school the hot high school girl wanted to date a college guy and we get that in fast time bridge my high with phoebe Cates' character she dates a college guy so in this you've got terry dates a college guy she dates a guy who's in a fraternity he talks about bringing her to the frat house when after all the brouhaha at the prom he tries to pick up another high school girl underage mind you it's just there's a lot of underage shit going on in this movie but again it's stuff like that seemed to fly a little bit in the 80s and not so much now i mean i i wouldn't want my daughter dating uh College guy in high school? I don't know about you. (laughs) Not a chance in hell. Then
0: again, I really wouldn't want my kid just plastering naked pictures all over his wall, too. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's a different thing. Okay, we kind of mentioned it real briefly, so I'll mention it real briefly. The prom, there are absolutely no chaperones. There's no teachers. The fight between Rick and Greg and Terry and Buddy Breakout nobody stops it there's also it apparently you don't need tickets to get in you could just freely walk around they have an in-house band the guy is literally trying to be huey lewis he's dressed in the red blazer red pants black t-shirt and he basically eyeballs her best friend denise aka rebecca de mornay stares at her and says let's go backstage yeah she's hanging out with him all night He's got to be at least 30. At least. Got to be. And
2: she's playing 17, 18. So something I just thought about, and I've never considered in this movie... They both go to this prom, Terry at her new school and her friend who doesn't go to that school. And that's how it was at my school. If you brought somebody from another school, you could do that. Doesn't Terry, when is their prom? Don't you think it'd be at the same time? Approximately. And now Terry, her boyfriend's in college and he's the type of guy who's likely not going to go to the prom with her. But you would think she's like the most popular girl in school. Wouldn't she want to go to her own prom, her senior prom at her own school? You would think, but even though she does seem like the girly girl
0: she also seems like she doesn't want to be a part of that anymore once she becomes Terrence,
2: just one of the guys she just wants to be just one of the guys that's it yeah so it's that's a little weird like basically this movie they're like yeah we're gonna move her to a new school and then we're just going to forget the existence of everything that goes on at her old school. At Crosstown School. That's for the middle class. Yeah. Fuck them. Because Sherilyn Finn even asks, why don't you go to Pearl? Pearl. And she says, oh, I hate that school. It's a bunch of snobby rich kids. Yeah. So, yeah, she goes to. But how would she know that? She's a new student. Yeah. Yeah. Big hole there. So that's that's about all I got for logic. I mean, we could probably tear this thing apart a little I bit more. I got one real quick. Okay. The gym teacher
0: stowing his personal bowling shit in his gym office I love it. at the school. I get some schools give you gym clothing, but he does not just give her a shirt and a pair of shorts. He gives her underwear and Chuck Taylors. Yeah. What fucking school do you know of just gives free underwear, jocks, and Chuck Taylor shoes?
2: And And commits arson My theory is that the gym teacher, I have a whole backstory for him, where I think he got kicked out of his house, his wife threw him out, and he's now sleeping at the school, which also happens at Hiding Out. That's right. The one guy, the janitor, lives at the school. And everything has to go back to bowling. Everything's a bowling reference with the guy. Yeah, it's... Yeah, Terry fakes a lot of things to get out of a uh, gym class which is good there's a guy who shows terry his dick yeah it has crabs he he's like well that's not normal it's spreading and he's go, he pulls down the front of his underwear and he says you ever see anything like this to terry oh it's spreading have you ever seen anything like this never And then Terry hears the jocks yell, get the new guy, and Terry thinks they're coming for him, which if they grab Terry there and throw her in the shower, the movie's over. over. Game over. (laughs) Just roll the credits. Yeah.
0: It's just like, whoa. I always found it weird that the bullies always did the homoerotic shit to the nerdy kids. Let's take them in the shower and get them naked.
2: There's, I mean, they do something like that in Lucas. They do it in every fucking 80s movie. Yeah. We need to cover Lucas. Oh, God. Corey Haim. And uh, yeah, that's a crazy I thought it Charlie was that Shane. robot dog movie at first. I totally <laughs> forgot. Okay, so what is the legacy of this movie? As I mentioned, Breasts. It's the 48th greatest teen movie of all time teen comedy i will say it got into these 80s movies tropes which we saw all the way throughout the 90s and even early 2000s i mean you watch a movie like can't hardly wait which is a great teen movie excellent it probably borrows things from this movie and these these movies like you know any of the john hughes movies can't buy me love oh god yeah. yeah lover boy i not really lover boy lover boy's interesting it's a great movie yeah so the legacy i mean it's just a stand-up teen comedy it was uh, often overlooked i would say watch i 100% recommend this movie i mean watch it it's excellent i watched it a ton as a kid anything you want to cover a legacy Nothing.
0: it's just it's the best and granted our podcast and phoebe cates are synonymous with one another great boobs 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 bubs. great boobs. Hey, good boobs. Bubs. Good boobs good boobs good nubs but god These are probably the best movie
2: breasts of all time. Uh, They're good. That's good. Because this movie is... Could we kind of call this the boob movie? It's the boob movie. Yeah. I mean, we could have called this just one of the podcasts <laughs> <laughs> just, we could have named the well, pod- what do you get off having tits podcast <laughs> where do you get off having tits the podcast we could have i mean if we were going to name our podcast after another boob scene it probably would have been this I, I like i said i was probably 10 years old they played this on hbo and cinemax all the time it'd be like noon one o'clock and you always knew it was coming oh, so good you always knew and she didn't wear a bra to the prom which is weird you think she'd want to tuck it back yeah she had again large breasts she would want to saran wrap them down so nobody saw them but instead she also rips her shirt open and
0: she got thrown into the water so
2: don't you think they would have been see-through you're like what are those there was this uh, kid we went to high school with that everybody called Squeaker, and he used to wear a tuxedo shirt, but you just see his nipples straight through, and everybody always point them out. So uh, that's interesting. What yeah. what drink pairs well with this movie? For me, I said a
0: Bartles and James. Yeah, that's
2: it. It's wine coolers. The line basic. Yeah, it's it's those wine coolers kind of in the um the. the- bot-
0: it's like body. It's like curved. Yeah, it's shape, round at the
2: bottom. With the weird, like, like the Michelob bottle. Kind of like a, a vase, a vase. Yeah, don't is you what fucking it looks say like. vase. It's yeah. a vase. Yeah, yeah, that's it's it's a wine cooler. It's Bartles and James. Or in this movie, is they drink beer brand beer, beer. Gen- beer beer, yeah, Gen- beer brand beer, beer. and all <laughs> the kids drink it. And Coca Cola. It's yes. a Coca Cola movie. Terry gets drunk three times in this movie at least. Oh, she plays a horrible drunk so no instructions for wine coolers you just pop the top and you drink them and you get drunk like Terry on beer brand beer and then you don't end up going on your date with your college boyfriend go to the caves go to the caves Jim you want to go ahead and give us our plugs
0: okay if anybody has let us know what are your favorite teen movies of all time let us know you want to know how this is the easiest way to do it email us at poolscenepodcast at gmail.com you don't want to email. Eh, screw email. Hit us up on Facebook and Instagram at Pool Scene Podcast
2: and Twitter. Everybody, the Twitters at Pool Scene Pod. Alright, that sounds great. We again, we've got some some cool stuff coming up. Uh, we're gonna just let you be surprised about what next week's episode is. And in the meantime, be good. Everybody stay safe, and we will see you next week. Bye bye, everybody.